when we think about performing a nutrition assessment, actually we're really looking at all of those domains as well as it relates to older adults. So while nutrition is actually a subcomponent under the medical domain of the comprehensive geriatric assessment, what we tried to do in this article was to really bring to life how those other domains also impact nutrition so that oftentimes nutrition professionals will just think about, well, what's the bottom line, the total calories, or the direct uh, risk factors for altered intake in this population. But in reality, sometimes it's a little bit further down the line. Maybe there are some social issues or some environmental issues that need to be addressed outside of that acute care setting that can really help an older adult meet their nutritional needs and maintain their health and wellness. Now, one of the domains that is discussed in the CGA is physical assessments. Now, many of our listeners are familiar with the concept of physical assessment in terms of malnutrition. But indeed, there are some unique features in older adults. For example, BMI, does it easily compare and are trends in weight as useful in this population? Well, BMI is really a hot topic when it comes to older adults. So the meta-analysis that was performed in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition uh, demonstrated this U-shaped curve for BMI and all-cause mortality in older adults. So that folks at the lowest end of BMI were at greater risk for mortality as well as those at the highest end of BMI. And so it's the in-between that is those folks actually seem to have enjoyed a longer life. And when you actually look at the BMI requirements or actual normal standards, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute is very adamant about their normal ranges for BMI being between 18.5 and 24.9. But when you start looking at the geriatric literature, that lower limit is actually a lot higher. So CMS actually recommends normal BMI in older adults to be somewhere between 23 and 30. So what that seems to indicate is that it's okay to have some extra pounds when you're older, and that is really what we're looking at and hoping to maintain, that older adults don't lose this unintentional weight. And if they have this weight loss, which is really what we should be looking at, not only just the absolute value of BMI, because if someone has a low BMI and they're active and they're healthy and they're physically function and um, they're enjoying life, that's fine. But um, if they're losing weight and their BMI is dropping, then that should be a flag that we need to do something for them. Your review notes that high physical functioning is actually one of two criteria for successful aging. What are some of the accepted methods to assess physical functioning in older adults, and how does nutrition change that function? Well, that's a great question. So when we think about physical functioning, there's a lot of physical performance tests that have been developed to just measure this whole domain of physical functioning in older adults. And the physical functioning tests or the performance-based measures look at lower extremity function and upper extremity function, as well as walking. So we can look at time chair stance to evaluate a lower extremity function. You can look at hand grip strength to be a measure of upper extremity function. 
There are balance tests to assess for balance, and that's very important to prevent falls in older adults, and a series of different time walk tests. So there's, there could be the 400-meter or the six-minute walk test. So again, all of these different versions of a walk test, again, measure performance, measure distance, and help to give us a good indication of what an older adult's physical performance actually is. And that's very important because if we think about maintaining health and wellness and being able to live on our own independently, we need to be able to use our muscles, be able to walk, to be able to take care of ourselves. And then so the other domain under physical function that we can look at are the activities of daily living. So we look at that as with the CATS activities of daily living scale, and it measures one's ability to bathe themselves themselves, toilets, things of that nature, just the basic activities of life. And then there are the instrumental activities of daily living, which look at can a person go out and shop for themselves, can they cook, can they manage checkbook or money, do they have access to transportation, can they use public transportation. So those are all very important as well. And nutrition It's almost a symbiotic relationship between nutrition and physical functioning because, first, if someone has poor nutrition status and they begin to lose weight, a lot of times with older adults, they're losing muscle. And so that could set them up for having poor physical performance and then lead them down that pathway toward frailty and further disability. Okay. On the other side of the coin, if someone has limitations in their activities of daily living or their instrumental activities of daily living, they may not be getting food intake. Their food intake may be limited. They may not be able to purchase food. They may not have access to transportation to go to the store to buy the food that they need. So that could, the limitations in the ADLs and the IADLs could also put them at risk for poor nutrition. So it it could actually be a two-way relationship. You bring up some very good points. One of the domains in the CGA is the social domain, and you did touch on that because it interacts with physical function as well. I thought that was quite fascinating because often, in my mind, I don't think of social domain and nutrition implications. Would you just like to elucidate that? Certainly, and... I think this gets back to this whole issue of a holistic assessment, and I think that's where the CGA really is quite beneficial for the older adults because it is more of a holistic view on what is happening in the older adults. The social domain is very important because we don't just don't take care of patients in the hospital in isolation when we discharge them and send them home, they're going back to their home environment, if that is indeed where they're sent to. And so social, their social domain and their social networks really play a very important part in their health and wellness, in their recovery, and in their ability to maintain their independence in the community. And so we really need to think about what's in that older adult's social network. What does it look like? Do they live alone? Do they not have access to any community-based organizations, close family or friends, someone who can help them maintain their independence at home? And when you think about the social networks, we also need to remember that 
in addition to losing physical function as people age, older adults also lose a lot in terms of their social network. They may lose their spouse, their significant other, and that grief really plays a very significant role on depression, on anxiety, especially in the early years, and can actually limit one's nutritional intake and cause unintentional weight loss. So we can often treat, say, the unintentional weight loss, but we really need to understand what is the contributing factor, what's causing that, because maybe the intervention is just not only a nutritional intervention, but maybe it's more of a social intervention as well. And part of that, as well as that whole environmental assessment, and Again, we, you know, a lot of times in the hospital setting, we're just focused on the here and now and getting them discharged and what that means. But we need to think about what is the community in which folks are going home to, what support systems, again, are there in regards to their environment, what kind of housing do they live in, do they even need very simple fixes done or performed to their house. For instance, if they own their own home, can they walk up the steps in front of their house, or do they need a ramp put in? And it, would that help them get out and about so that they can get access and to transportation or go out and shop? So these are just some very simple factors that really play a very important role in helping promote health and wellness and also nutritional health in older adults. Roseanne, in our brief conversation just today, I think some salient points you raised are first of all, the increase in aging in America. Secondly, how in the hospital we are indeed not totally focused on discharge and long-term discharge types of needs. The importance of nutrition in the elderly. Many times people are not having the benefit of a geriatric nutrition team and their provider may be their primary care physician or an advanced practice nurse. And your invited review has great implications, I think, for people to blend in some of these concepts when dealing with this special population. What are your comments about the, who is caring for the older individuals and how are things being assessed in the whole realm of healthcare? Well, that's a great it's an issue because many experts that the comprehensive geriatric assessment or the CGA should just not be the focus of attention on a special geriatric unit or just by geriatricians. That in reality, everyone who's providing care for older adults should really use some of those key principles because it, the CGA does shed light on all of the areas that need to be assessed in regards to providing care for an older adult. And so I think advanced practice nurses and physicians and any healthcare professional should really just use the CGA as a checklist or a reminder for what are the areas that need to be assessed. And even if you don't have the expert domain or the expertise to maybe do physical functioning assessment, but then you know that you need to put a referral into physical therapy and embrace their recommendations and then contact social work to see what is it that we need to promote a good transition for them when they leave the hospital and go back home. Um, and I think especially in light of today's healthcare environment where we're focusing so much on transitions of care and preventing hospital readmissions, we need to really 
think holistically again and make sure that everything is in place for when someone gets ready to leave the hospital, especially an older adult. So some of those other issues that we're not comfortable assessing, like the social domains, the environmental domains, and the physical functioning or physical performance domains, really play a very big issue in the success of that person as they transition back to home. Dr. Roseanne DiMaria Galea, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I invite our readers to find out more about this topic in your well-written article, which will be featured in the August 2014 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice.